get the unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, Chinese weather authorities have issued the highest alert level for a cold wave that's sweeping much of the country. China and the Republic of the Congo are marking 60 years of bilateral relations. Israeli lawmakers have voted to reject any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. In business, experts are hailing a milestone for China's aviation sector. In sports, highlights from the China National Winter Games, and in culture and entertainment, a musical with an international cast on stage in Shanghai. Now checking the day's top stories. China's weather authorities have issued the highest alert for a cold wave sweeping across a large area of the country. The orange alert, the highest on the country's three-tier system, warns that average daily temperatures in the south will decline by up to 12 degrees Celsius from Wednesday to Friday. Temperatures in parts of Guizhou, Hunan, Guangxi, and Jiangxi may plunge by more than 20 degrees. The cold wave has also brought severe conditions in central and eastern parts of the country. The central province of Hubei. Has been subject to freezing rain and blizzards for days. Huang Yichang has more from Wuhan. I'm currently on one of the main streets in Wuhan, which the traffic usually uh, is bustling, but now traffic is relatively sparse, and the the ones that are still out are moving slowly due to uh, the the icy, slippery road conditions. And the the, the widespread、uh, freezing rain actually came after the recent extreme weather just before the the Spring Festival. Which severely impacted the city. So to address the challenges, various preparations have been undertaken in advance.、Uh, this time, for instance, the day before the snowfall, a large quantity of snow melting agents have already been transported to various locations, and、uh, many precautionary measures have also been taken, including inspecting potentially hazardous trees and trimming broken branches. Uh, to prevent them from falling, freezing rain leaves many citizens with their stranded cars unable to to return home due to the icy roads. And responding to this, over 50,000 underground parking spaces in malls and residential areas are offered free of charge to the public. And many highways have also been temporarily closed. To tackle this, the, the province has deployed some、uh, cutting-edge snow melting machines. Some of which actually been applied in the province for the first time, and a、uh, claim to be able to、uh, swiftly melt the, a large quantity of the、uh, a large area of、uh, accumulated snow. And Wuhan Railway announced the suspension of over 300 railway trips following. Over 100 railway trips、uh, suspended the day before, and the various、uh, services across the region came to a halt. And many tourism attractions in the city have also closed. Now the local authorities and communities are continuing their efforts to manage the impact. That was Huang Yichang on the cold front that's been affecting much of China in recent days. With more about the cold wave and when it'll end, Luo Meiqi from the China Meteorological Administration has more. 
The authority renews the orange alert for cold wave, warning places like Guizhou, Guangxi, Guangdong, all the way up to Zhejiang could see temperature plunge by 6 to 14 degrees. We all know the copper behind is the cold air, which is estimated to mainly impact South China. So temperature-wise, the daily highs across the northern China will go upward. The freezing point line is expected to retreat northward into northern portion of Hebei and Shanxi as of Saturday. However, for folks in southern China, I'm afraid the single digits could be the top consume really chilly temperatures. Guiyao, where the average temperature this time of year is around 13, but only have the single digits over the next five days. And when it comes to Nani, a daily highs of forecast to be hovering around only 10. Apart from temperature, we should also look at precipitation. Yes, we do have a yellow alert for snowstorm indicating places like southern Anhui, eastern and southern Hubei portions of Shanxi, Gansu and Sichuan could see a chance of heavy snow or potentially torrential amount of snowfall. And getting to coming days, the freezing rain, most dangerous form of precipitation could be expected from eastern Guizhou all the way to places like Anhui over the next two days. Well, since the rush to return to the places of work or home is underway, we better take some precautionary measures and drive safely. That was Luo Meiqi from the China Meteorological Administration. A container ship has collided with a bridge in South China, killing five people. The incident, which occurred early Thursday morning in Guangzhou, has also left two people hospitalized. Two vehicles plunged into the water, while three others fell onto the boat after the collision. The cause of the accident is under investigation. Huang Fei reports from the scene. I'm standing on the bank of the Pearl River near the bridge where the collision happened earlier this morning. Rescue operations still ongoing. This area is just about to be locked down. Earlier this morning around 5 o'clock, a container ship rammed into the, the structure under there and causing some vehicles to fall into the, uh, to the water. According to the Guangzhou Maritime Search and Rescue Center, as of 10 a.m., four vehicles uh, are believed to be involved in the incident. Uh, there was also one electric motorbike. Uh, two vehicles fell into the water while three others landed on the ship. One crew member, uh, we understand, uh, has suffered minor injuries and reports of other casualties. A little bit more background on the bridge. This bridge uh, connects the uh, connects Guangzhou with other cities in the Greater Bay Area, including Zhongshan and Shenzhen. The vessel was on the way to Nansha here uh, from the neighboring city of Foshan when the collision happened. Now, we don't know what caused the collision, but the individual manning the vessel is now in police custody. That was Huang Fei on the fatal collision involving a ship and a bridge in Guangzhou. Coming up, 60 years of bilateral ties between China and the Republic of the Congo. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. Around seven minutes past the hour.
Well, Thursday marks the 60th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between China and the Republic of the Congo. A Chinese President Xi Jinping exchanged congratulations with his counterpart, Denis Sesso Nguesso. The Chinese leader acknowledged that the two nations have trusted one another on political and economic fronts amid global changes, adding that bilateral relations have exemplified China-Africa cooperation. President Sesso Nguesso welcomed their common pursuit of peace, fairness and prosperity. Both leaders pledged to strengthen their comprehensive strategic partnership of cooperation and contribute to building a China-Africa community with a shared future. For more on bilateral relations over the past six decades and how they're likely to evolve in the coming years, Li Dongneng spoke with Professor Zhang Yongpeng, a senior research fellow at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Well, first of all, the trade volume between China and Republic Congo has increased significantly in recent years. So what's the role of their complementary demands? You know, I think uh, the economic structure of the Republic of uh, Congo is highly dependent on uh, the single industry. And currently, the uh, crude oil remains its uh, largest export commodity and accounting for uh, nearly 85% of the total exports and the timber uh, ranked the second. The Congo has joined uh, China's better own initiative and also a, a partner country in China-Africa capacity uh, cooperation. You're looking at the trade structure, China's main exported goods to the Republic in recent years include electrical equipment, ships, and machinery and textile products, and other manufacturing uh, products. And China mainly imports uh, mineral fuels and orange and uh, electronical uh, machinery and wood products and such and such, as well as the, the, the coffee and the tea and these agricultural products. Professor, what can we expect apart from the traditional sectors that we've been talking about, which are complementary between the two countries? What can we expect in their future cooperation in other areas, including a digital economy and green development? Green development and the digital economy has been listed in the national development plan that is issued by the uh, Congo government and which outlines six major strategies as well as uh, six major industries among which uh, we could see uh, the large-scale agriculture and the digital economy has been major two major parts and this reflects a highly forward-thinking development consciousness and China's digital expansion and uh, integration and have been a very important phenomenon that has transformed many African economies and their position in the global market. And for example, in the Western Africa, there has seen a significant investment from Chinese companies in digital infrastructure and services including e-commerce platforms, mobile payment systems, and the telecommunications industry uh, infrastructure. And these investments have the potential to drive the economy, economic development in the region by facilitating trade and promoting financial inclusion and uh, improving connectivity. Similarly, China possesses abandoned technology and resources in development of solar energy and uh, uh, hydroelectric power and uh, geothermal uh, resources which perfectly suits the uh, demands and the characteristics 
of Congo's national situation. Mm. And there's immense room for collaboration between the two mm. parties. Mm. That was Professor uh, Zheng Yongpeng of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences speaking on ties between China and the Republic of the Congo. The southern Chinese island of Hainan is known for cultivating tropical crops. In order to expand agricultural exchanges with other countries, the Hainan-based Chinese Academy of Tropical Agricultural Sciences has set up an agritech demonstration center in Africa to promote mutual agricultural development. And the Republic of the Congo has benefited from this. Lin Wah has the story. The China Aid Agriculture Technology Demonstration Center is on a 59-hectare base near the capital of the Republic of the Congo. It was approved for construction in 2007. Over the years, Chinese experts have been sent to the center to help test and screen tropical crop varieties suitable for local cultivation. Agricultural planting and poultry breeding demonstrations have also been carried out. Huang Xiaoming, associate researcher at the Chinese Academy of Tropical Agricultural Sciences, worked at the center for more than seven years. During that time, he conducted several training sessions on cassava cultivation and processing techniques at different places in the Congo, Brazzaville. Cassava is the staple food of the country, so reducing production costs and improving efficiency is very important for local agricultural development. In accordance with their actual needs, we have two plans. First, we promote advanced techniques in fertilization, pest control, and product processing. Second, we find ways to help them reduce production costs. The second forum on China-Africa cooperation in agriculture, held in November 2023 in Sanya, Hainan province, has further deepened agricultural exchanges between China and Africa. In addition to promoting Chinese technologies abroad, the academy also attracted groups of Africans to learn tropical agriculture. 2024 marks the 60th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between China and the Republic of the Congo and the sixth year since the DRC joined the Belt and Road Initiative. The increasing cooperation in various fields is expected to further boost economic and trade exchanges between the two countries. That was Lin Watt reporting. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi says the country stands firm uh, as a force for stability in a turbulent world. He made the remarks as he wrapped up his six-day Europe tour. Wang Yi said China maintains that major countries should promote their cooperation based on mutual respect and trust and tackle hotspot issues via dialogue and consultation. He added that global governance should be enhanced through unity and coordination and global growth should be boosted with openness and mutual benefit. Uh, the Chinese foreign minister said a political solution is the only way forward concerning the Ukraine crisis. He said China will continue to play a constructive role in restoring peace. Wang also said China's position on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is clear, calling for an immediate ceasefire. He urged that uh, humanitarian assistance be ensured, hostages released, and the two-state solution relaunched. The Chinese foreign minister attended the 60th Munich Security Conference during his Europe tour. He delivered a speech at a session dedicated to China and elaborated on the country's position on major international issues. Wang Yi also visited Spain and France. Foreign ministers from the G20 countries are warning about weakening multilateralism in the face of geopolitical conflict. They sounded the alarm at a two-day meeting in Rio de Janeiro. In the opening remarks, Brazilian Foreign Minister Mauro Vieira noted that multilateral institutions are not properly equipped to deal with the current challenges, citing paralysis in the UN Security Council over the conflicts in Gaza and Ukraine. 
European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell warned that multilateralism is in crisis. The meetings will lay the groundwork for the leaders' summit that's coming up in November. Paulo Cabral has details. Brazil's G20 presidency kicked off in Rio de Janeiro on Wednesday with a gathering of the group's foreign affairs ministers, along with some guests. On the agenda for the first day, global security. Thursday's session is expected to focus on global governance, one of the key themes for this year. Brazil's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mauro Vieira, delivered opening remarks. In our view, the G20 can and should play a fundamental role in reducing international tensions, as well as advancing the sustainable development agenda. Dear colleagues, Brazil is deeply concerned about the current international situation regarding peace and security. Brazil, as the G20 president this year, has defined three priorities to be discussed by the group. Social inclusion to fight hunger and poverty, promotion of sustainable development to combat climate change and reforming global governance institutions. Even though the conflicts happening around the world are not explicitly among the key G20 themes, President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva made it clear when Brazil took over the G20 presidency last year that these conflicts don't happen in a vacuum and must be addressed. Brazil continues to mourn the tragic conflict between Israel and Palestine. Inequalities are at the root of the problems we face or contribute to worsening them. We need a new globalization that combats social disparity. Ahead of Wednesday's event, President Lula met with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Brasilia. Even though most of the discussion was held behind closed doors, U.S. officials said the two-hour talks included the Gaza conflict, and reports indicate Blinken also told Lula the U.S. did not agree with his recent comments comparing Israel's actions in Gaza to the Holocaust, which triggered a diplomatic row between Brazil and Israel. What is clear here is that global tensions and conflicts cannot be ignored. The G20 is gathering at a moment of heightened tensions around the world. As this year's preparations for the November summit kick off, one big question is how much world leaders will be able to advance the group's agenda amid such a challenging environment. That was Paulo Cabral on the ongoing G20 foreign ministers meeting in Brazil. China sent Vice Foreign Minister Ma Jiaoshu to the event, and he's met with the Brazilian foreign minister. He told Maravieira that China is willing to work with Brazil to follow through on the important common understandings reached between the two heads of state and take China-Brazil relations to a new level. Noting the great success of President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva's visit to China last year, Vieira said Brazil is ready to continue to strengthen bilateral and multilateral cooperation with China in various fields. Coming up, Israel rejects any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Hollywood blockbusters will pack Chinese cinemas in about a week. It comes after China's movie market scored new highs both in box office earnings and cinema admissions during the spring festival holiday. The records achieved are seen as a continuation of the robust recovery clinched last year when over 80% of the total revenue came from domestically produced films. Have Chinese moviegoers lost interest in Hollywood films? Would the recovery momentum on China's movie market continue or even pick up in the coming months? Get it all on this week's Chat Lounge, anywhere you get your podcasts and on CGTN Radio. We're at 19 minutes past the hour.
Israeli lawmakers have voted in favor of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's rejection of any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. The vote comes amid calls from the international community to revive talks on Palestinian statehood. Israel's intensified its bombardment of southern Gaza as it pushes for a hostage release deal. Elena Bekatoros with the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem. There have been more Israeli airstrikes across the Gaza Strip into overnight and into Thursday, and that has been mainly concentrated in the center of the Gaza Strip and in the south near the southern city of Rafah. Now, these strikes have left more than 60 people dead. Their bodies were taken to hospitals across the center and the south of the Gaza Strip. They have included a strike which killed two people in a shelter being used by the medical aid organization Doctors Without Borders, or MSF, who said that a shelter that was housing their staff members and their families was hit overnight, causing at least two people to be killed and another six people to be wounded. Now, the Israeli military, when asked about this, they said that they had targeted a building that they had identified as uh, being used for what they called were terrorist activities, and that afterwards they were informed of the death of two individuals, of two civilians, who were unrelated to this, and that they regret any harm to any civilians. But the Israeli military has made clear from the start that civilian casualties are to be blamed on Hamas, because Hamas operates from within civilian areas and from within civilian infrastructure. Now separately, there has been a glimmer of hope, the first that we've seen in quite a while, on a possible ceasefire uh, in return for the release of hostages. Now this is far from a done deal, but one of the three members of Israel's war cabinet, Benny Gans, said that there was a possibility of a deal. Uh, to quote him, he said that there are the first signs that indicate the possibility to move forward with such a deal. However, he also stressed that if hostages are not released, and there are believed to be around 100 still held in Gaza, if they are not released, then Israel will proceed with its promised offensive into the southern city of Rafah, where more than half of Gaza's population is now sheltering. The civilian population will be evacuated, he said, but if the hostages are not released, they will move into Rafah during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan that begins on March the 10th. That was Elena Bekatoros in Jerusalem. Israeli War Cabinet member Benny Gantz says there are promising early signs of progress for a new hostage deal with Hamas. He says the Israeli military will keep fighting in Gaza into a Muslim holy month of Ramadan if no new deal is struck. An Israeli airstrike on a house at the Nusrat refugee camp in central Gaza has killed at least 17 Palestinians and injured 34 others. Noor Harazin has more from Rafa. One of the highlights, the Israeli forces and the Israeli attacks actually incursioned in Al-Mawasi refugee camp. And the Al-Mawasi refugee camp, it is supposed to be the safest area in uh, Gaza, in uh, Rafah, as the uh, IDF, the Israeli army, repeatedly mentioned the Al-Mawasi refugee camp uh, for the uh, displaced Palestinians in Gaza to evacuate to and take shelter inside the Al-Mawasi refugee camp, uh, uh, marking it as a green uh, zone. However, overnight, the Israeli forces carried uh, a land invasion in Al-Mawasi uh, refugee camp. Uh, a number of Palestinians were killed and dozens were injured.
overnight there was actually a number of Israeli raids in different uh, cities and towns in the West Bank, Qalqilia, Nablus, Tulkarim, Jenin, and uh, these Israeli uh, raids on Palestinian camps in uh, the West Bank, it is not something new actually, it has been happening since the 7th of uh, October. Uh, a number of Palestinians were arrested in Nablus and also in Qalqilia. According to the Palestinian miracle sources, there's also a number of uh, Palestinian young men that were killed in Qalqilia. However, the ambulances are still not able to reach them or reach their uh, bodies. The uh, Palestinian prisoners committee in the West Bank said that the number of, Israel, of uh, Palestinians that actually the Israeli forces arrested them since the 7th of October is now more than 7,000. And uh, actually the Israeli forces carry these uh, raids on the uh, towns of the West Bank on a weekly basis. That was Noor Harazin in Rafa. The United States says the UN's top court should not order the unconditional withdrawal of Israeli forces from Palestinian territories, citing Israel's very real security need. This comes a day after the U.S. vetoed a Security Council draft resolution that would have demanded an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Palestinian Foreign Minister Riyad al-Maliki says this reflects a real issue arising from U.S. hegemony reflection of certain weakness because, you know, they have been uh, requesting and asking that, you know, anything uh, pertaining Israel-Palestine should be addressed in in other foras and not not here. Uh, But, you know, we tried the other foras uh, for the last 75 years and, you know, we confronted exactly uh, uh, them, uh, the the U.S. veto and the U.S. hegemony, you know, over uh, decision-making processes within the U.N. system and that's why we came to the uh, uh, ICJ because you know we felt that uh, that the Americans you know they cannot uh, uh, perform in the same way yeah, like they have really right. performed like they have really performed in in uh, in the United Nations system. In a first of uh, its kind case, since Monday, at least 52 countries have presented arguments in favor or against Israel's withdrawal from the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Hostilities between Russia and Ukraine continue to rage on. It's been two years since Russian President Vladimir Putin recognized the independence of Donetsk and Luhansk, two self-proclaimed republics in Ukraine's uh, eastern Donbass region. Alyosa Milenkovich travels to the Russian border city of Belgorod to see how the conflict has affected the people there. We embarked on a 10 to 11 hours long journey on a car from Moscow to Belgorod. Exactly two years ago, I was there. Uh, Since then, a lot of things have changed, and Belgrade have seen uh, a lot of violent incidents, let me call them like that. Uh, A lot of bombardment coming from uh, Ukrainian side. Just recently, there was an attack on a shopping mall, small shopping mall in Belgrade, where at least six people were killed. Just to put it on a map, Belgrade is a city which is roughly around 40 kilometers from the Ukrainian border and uh, right next to the border from Ukrainian side is Ukrainian second largest city of Kharkov and it's interesting that those two cities are maybe 70 kilometers apart and uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why Belgorod is very frequently and the villages around Belgorod are very frequently uh, the target of uh, Ukrainian attacks. Also, as a reminder, just recently, uh, Russian military's Il-76 transport car or cargo plane was shot down by Ukrainian 
anti-aircraft missile a few weeks ago right next to Belgorod. After roughly around 11 hours of driving we arrived in very snowy Belgorod. Right behind me maybe a month ago there was an explosion by the incoming Ukrainian missile which killed some 25 people. When we came here what we have seen is that uh, at every single bus stop along the way there is a lot of concrete blocks which are put around every single bus stop for the people to have some kind of protection in case more shelling is coming. Uh, it is a rush hour here in Belgorod. People are apparently going back from work and doing their usual daily routine, daily stuff. But it is uh, quite frequent these days in Belgorod. It's a sign saying uh, shelter. So in case new shelling starts, people have to know where they can hide, where they can find uh, shelter. And that's the sign which is actually pointing to the nearest one. That was Alyosha Malenkovich in Russia. At 28 past the hour, Beijing down to minus 5 on Thursday evening. Friday is sunny with the high of plus 3. Nanchung's down to plus 1, then a slight rain and 4 on Friday. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at 4 this evening. Friday's cloudy with a high of 20 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, Chinese weather authorities have issued the highest alert level for a cold wave that's sweeping much of the country. China and the Republic of the Congo are marking 60 years of bilateral relations. Israeli lawmakers have voted to reject any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An additional Railway Company, Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, 你好, or a sophisticated learner, 我来北京五年了, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, still to come. In business, experts are hailing a milestone for China's aviation sector. In sports, we have highlights from the China National Winter Games. In culture and entertainment, a musical with an international cast on stage in Shanghai. Contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, with the day's headline news, here's Tianlu. Thank you, Shane. 
China is preparing to launch a new round of joint international giant panda conservation cooperation efforts. The China Wildlife Conservation Association has inked agreements with Madrid Zoo Aquarium of Spain and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance of the United States. The association is also holding consultations with another U.S. zoo and an Austrian zoo on cooperation. Spain, the United States, and Austria were among the first countries to carry out international cooperation with China regarding giant panda conservation. Cambodia has broken ground for the construction of a bridge across the Basic River in southern Penapen with funds from China. The bridge will be built by the Shanghai Construction Group with a scheduled opening in 2027. Cambodian Prime Minister Hun Manet says the bridge will play an important role in dealing with the rising numbers of people and vehicles in the capital. He adds that China-funded infrastructure projects will have positive impacts on both internal connectivity and regional integration with neighboring countries. Chinese Ambassador Wang Wentian describes the project as a testament to the mutual friendship. South Korean Prime Minister Han duk Su has visited a national police hospital in Seoul to check on the emergency medical response as thousands of Trini doctors walked out to protest a plan to admit more students to medical schools. Reports say many hospital emergency rooms are overcrowded and five major hospitals in Seoul have cancelled a third to a half of scheduled surgeries. The Prime Minister has ordered emergency measures including telemedicine and opening up of military clinics. The government has activated an emergency medical response system nationwide and has also devised various support measures to ensure the maintenance of essential medical services. We will mobilize cross-governmental efforts to minimize damages of patients. The South Korean government aims to increase medical school admissions by 5,000 by 2025 and double the number 10 years later to address health care demand. But the protesters are demanding better pay and work conditions for current doctors. In Paris, the Eiffel Tower remains closed for the third consecutive day as workers walked out of their jobs demanding salary hikes and better working conditions. Striking employees are demanding a salary increase proportionate to revenue from ticket sales. They also want to improve maintenance of the 135-year-old tower, which is showing traces of rust on some of its ironwork. Many tourists have expressed their disappointment with the closure. Jonathan Adams is from the UK. We came, we came eight years ago, just me and my wife, so we brought the children and I had tickets booked, so yeah, very disappointing. The Eiffel Tower is set to play a central role in the Paris Games, but has faced criticism for its business model and maintenance issues. Hundreds of government workers in Peru have taken to the streets in the capital, demanding better salaries, job stability and pensions. Jose Delgado is a member of the National Union of State Sector Unions. There is a threat of layoffs of state workers, and that is why this mobilization is so big at a national level, not only in Lima, but the whole country rejecting the government's intention to lay off workers. Protesters are also asking for increased wages and pensions for state workers. 
British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has visited King Charles in Buckingham Palace for the first time since the monarch's cancer diagnosis. While undergoing treatment, Charles has postponed public engagements but will continue with much of his work as monarch, including his weekly audience with the Prime Minister and dealing with state papers. It's wonderful to see you looking so well. Yeah, well it's all done by mirrors. Really. <laughs> well, we're all, we're all behind you. The country is behind you. No, because I've had so many wonderful messages and cards. And I can imagine. It's reduced me to tears most of the time. Well, I can imagine. But every, no, I said everyone is behind you. Just over two weeks ago, doctors diagnosed a 75-year-old with an unspecified form of cancer. The king has been on the throne for less than 18 months following the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth. Local media in the UK have reported that the Trident nuclear deterrent missile system misfired during a test in the US last month. The incident happened when a missile crashed into the ocean off the Florida coast near the submarine that launched it. The Defense Ministry says an anomaly occurred during the test, but the failure had no implications for the wider system. The nuclear deterrent system is provided by a fleet of four nuclear-powered submarines equipped with the Trident Ballistic Missile System. A previous test in 2016 also ended in failure when the missile was reported to have veered off course. The leader of the Boeing 737 MAX program will leave the company following an 18-year tenure. The departure of Ed Clark came as Boeing announced a shake-up of the commercial airplane division. Clark will be replaced by Katie Ringold, current vice president of 737 delivery operations. Boeing says the changes are aimed at improving its quality and safety. The U.S. aviation giant has has been facing scrutiny since an incident on an Alaska airline passenger flight last month when a piece of the 737 MAX jet blew off mid-air. In response, the Federal Aviation Administration has barred Boeing from expanding 737 MAX output. Thank you very much. That was Tian Lu with Headline News. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, experts are hailing a milestone for China's aviation sector. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. 38 minutes past the hour. Turning to business news. Now here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Shane. The Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Thursday as AI-related stocks filled the growth. Timothy Pope has more. AI stocks were what was helping the Shanghai Composite Index advance 1.3%. The Shenzhen component uh, was up about three quarters of 1%. We saw uh, shares in iFlytech up by 3%, Quinlon Tech up 2%, and uh, Inspur Software gained 5.5%. All of those were involved in AI, whether it's uh, uh, large language models or similar systems. And Cambricon Technology, which uh, is a Chinese chip maker specializing in AI processes, up by almost 10%. So we really know where the lead was coming from. That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index gained more than 1.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei was up nearly 2.2%. 
Experts are hailing the presence of China's C919 passenger jet at the Singapore Airshow as a milestone of the country's aircraft development. Jiao Shanxun with the Chinese Society of Aeronautics and Astronautics says it embodies the relentless efforts made by the country's aviation industry. Uh, I believe the appearance of the C919 at the Singapore Airshow marks a milestone in the aircraft's development. In fact, about 90% of the world's top aviation manufacturers are participating in the Singapore Airshow. Currently, the C919 has received over 1,200 orders globally. Earlier, the company has said it will invest billions of yuan into expanding the capacity of its production. As of December 31st, the China Eastern Airlines C919 fleet had accumulated over 1,900 hours of commercial operation, completed 655 commercial trips, and transported nearly 82,000 passengers. During this year's eight-day Spring Festival holiday, the C919 flew over 60 commercial flights, making nearly 10,000 passenger trips. The international trade market in Yiwu, Zhejiang province, welcomed more than 200,000 customers from home and abroad on Wednesday, the first business day of the Chinese New Year. In China, each week, have a new design. All is a new design. We initially bought eight different styles of bicycles here. This time, we are back for more. Some shop owners are doing promotions through live streaming. Among them is Zhang Jiayuan, who runs a shop selling Chinese-style umbrellas. Foreign customers show great interest in our Chinese-style umbrellas. Through live streaming, we're able to showcase these designs and promote Chinese culture worldwide. EU's international trade market houses nearly 75,000 merchants offering a wide array of commodities. The market is renowned for its seamless logistics and convenience for customers. In 2023, EU's foreign trade volume, a value witnessed an 18% increase, reaching 566 billion yuan or 79 billion US dollars. The city maintains trade relations with more than 230 countries and regions, attracting over 560. 60,000 overseas merchant trips annually. By the end of last month, the Chinese Ministry of Commerce had organized 16 roundtable discussions for foreign-funded enterprises, including sessions tailored for specific countries. The ministry says over 400 foreign-funded enterprises and foreign business associations participated in these meetings, resulting in the resolution of over 300 issues. The ministry plans to conduct these meetings on a monthly basis this year to foster a more favorable investment environment for foreign companies in China. For more on this, Zheng Junfeng spoke with Li Yong, chief researcher of DNC think tank. China's Ministry of Commerce has established an initiative uh, since uh, July last year to communicate with foreign companies through this uh, round table. How does this round table system contribute to the communication between Chinese government and foreign companies and improve the business environment? Well, I think I would like to use the word help as a kind of a, a acronym. Uh, H you know, is the harmonizing uh, the, uh, the uh, investment relate or FBI relations. And that effort, I think, is basically, uh, you know, uh, seen in the area of, uh, of uh, improving uh, the investment envir- environment according to international standard and the second one is e 
I think the E is to enhance the government service and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, leverage the ability of coordination uh, by government agencies, and that I think will uh, create a proactive environment, uh, particularly when uh, when foreign investors are facing problems that will require the uh, assistance of government. And the uh, third word is L. I think you know that is focused on the lending of uh, of different kind of uh, uh, FDA related policies at all levels. And uh, if we take the example of a roundtable uh, communications, you know this is not really uh, happening at the uh, central level, particularly uh, for example between uh, the uh, Ministry of Commerce. Uh, with the uh, foreign investors, but also at the local levels, and the last wor wor word is uh, is P. I think all those communication efforts are focusing on problem solving. Mm. So uh, I think you know with this round table, round table will help uh, you know foreign investors, you know at least you know to operate you know in a equal and a fair and transparent environment. And that, I think, will make them feel uh, comfortable coming to China uh, and, uh, you know, to uh, regard China as a kind of a stable and predictable and transparent environment. That was Li Yun, chief researcher of DNC Think Tank, talking about China's foreign direct investment and business environment. China has rolled out the Spring Breeze Action Initiative, a nationwide effort aimed at helping migrant workers returning to their jobs and new graduates seeking employment. The initiative, along with other employment activities, has kicked off in Sichuan Province. The province's Human Resources Department has forged regional employment collaboration agreements with counterparts from eight provinces and cities. Li Wei is the deputy director general with the Sichuan Employment Service Administration. With over 26 million migrant workers in Sichuan, our aim through these agreements is to create a precise labor supply platform. This ensures a perfect match between workers and enterprises, fostering resource sharing and mutual growth among partners. The agreements focus on matching labor supply with demand, enhancing public employment services, and boosting skills training. Under the initiative, there will be online and in-person job fairs with over 320 employers, listing about 30,000 job opportunities. Farmers in Madrid are protesting European Union and local agricultural policies while demanding measures to alleviate production cost increases. Ken Brown has details from the Spanish capital. Protest convoys and roadblocks disrupting traffic and food deliveries, mirroring those around Europe and other parts of the world. Farmers are calling for fair prices for their produce in the face of rising costs, and argue there is too much bureaucracy and too many environmental regulations. They say foreign imports, particularly from Morocco, have an unfair advantage that they don't have to play by EU rules. They don't demand the same standards in products coming from Morocco. That's unfair trade. 
We want the EU to ensure a level playing field. We personally don't want them to allow us to use harmful fertilizers. Tractors on the streets of Madrid are making their presence felt while over the past couple of weeks we've seen trucks with Moroccan tomatoes attacked in the south of the country in Granada, in the north ports of Tarragona and highways connecting Spain and France have also been blocked. Next Monday, the minister will be in Brussels working on behalf of the main demands the farmers are seeking, like the simplification of the common agricultural policy, which is crucial. Wednesday's protests in Madrid come as Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez is in Rabat, where he's meeting King Mohammed VI. Meanwhile, the farmers continue to make their voices heard with thousands of others around Europe and the world. That was Ken Brown in Madrid. Back to you, Shane. All right, thank you very much. That was Wang Zhang with Business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, we have highlights from the China National Winter Games. Bayern Munich is at risk of its first trophyless season in more than a decade. Just recently, they lost their last three games, while Bayer Leverkusen, their closest rivals in the Bundesliga, remain unbeaten. Join us on this week's episode of Sideline Story. We'll unpack all of the various issues plaguing the Bundesliga giants right now. 48 past the hour. Turning to sports, and here's Brandon Yates. Thank you, Shane. Heilong Jiang's Kong Fan Yu won the title in the women's freestyle aerials at the China National Winter Games. The 30-year-old won her first national gold on her third attempt. Kong mentioned that the conditions made the competition quite challenging. It's windy today, so it's hard to finish three flips in this unstable situation. I just tried my best and I'm satisfied with my performance in the final. Now I feel very excited and I'm proud of myself for my perseverance all these years. The Beijing 2022 Olympic champion Xu Mengtao only managed to finish in fifth place. She also unfortunately landed on her back on one of her attempts. Over on the men's side, 19-year-old Chen Shuo from Henan province claimed the gold with 125.97 points. He was the only skier completing the final run without landing a mistake. Chen explained that he was calm during his performance. I was relaxed mentally in my decisive run because I had got what I wanted already through the first two runs, which was reaching the final, so I was not bothered by any worries. Elsewhere, Ji Lin claimed the title in the mixed team snowboard cross and Heilong Jiang won the ski cross-country women's relay and Liaoning won the men's title. China's Zhang Chinwen has entered the quarterfinals of the WTA 1000 Dubai Open. She defeated Anastasia Potapova of Russia 6-3-6-2. This is also the third time that Zhang has reached the quarterfinals of a WTA 1000 event. She will now face world number one Iga Swiatek of Poland. Swiatek has won all five of the previous meetings between the two players. On the men's side, China's top-ranked Zhang Jujin lost his match against Gael Monfils 6-4-7-5-7-6. China's men's basketball team will take on Mongolia in a 2025 FIBA Asia Cup qualifier. Head coach Alexander Djordjevic believes his team is ready for upcoming games. Uh, the camp went really well. The guys were uh, after the news break and celebrations uh, and their seasons. They needed uh, some days to get rolling, as we like to say. But I think right now with uh, more or less on the, at the same level of physical uh, preparation. The team will next take on Japan this weekend. 
China romped to both the women's and men's quarterfinals at the World Team Table Tennis Championships finals. The women defeated Thailand while the men managed to win against Romania. China will face hosts South Korea in the women's quarterfinals. On the men's side, China set up a clash with Japan. In football, Napoli fought back to hold visitors Barcelona to a 1-1 draw in the first leg of their Champions League last 16 tie. Napoli manager Francesco Calzona believes his side is in good physical condition. I think our problem is more psychological than physical. Our reaction in the last 20 minutes showed that we are in a good physical condition. I'm happy because the team tried to win the game. This means that we found the winning spirit. This is a good sign for the future. Barcelona manager Xavi thinks his side should have done more to get the win. We had ball possession, we played very well. We created many chances and we defended well. After the 1-0, if we want to find an active note, we lost possession. We lacked control and Napoli scored. It's a bitter feeling. We could have won this game. It's not a bad result. Yesterday, we were just discussing whether I should have signed for a draw or not. It's a pity. We created many chances. If we will play like we did today, we can surely qualify to the quarterfinals. Elsewhere, a 94th-minute stunner from FC Porto's Galeno handed the Portuguese side a 1-0 victory over Arsenal. And finally, Liverpool overcame a first-half scare to beat Luton 4-1 at Anfield. Reds manager Jurgen Klopp was pleased to give some young players a run-out. I don't even know if, the, if these boys can play again, to be honest. The situation is not great, absolutely not. We don't have to make that now nicer than this. I'm so happy that all the kids came on and played and Dancy said 50 times, thank you, Bob, thank you, Bob. I'm so happy that I could give them that opportunity. It's just nice, the boys deserve it. But obviously, there are now a lot of, and for us, obviously, super important games coming up and we don't know. So we go day by day. I cannot say anything about it and I don't know, but... After Brentford, I had no clue that the situation will be like it was then, um, or it was now. Um, so, let's see. Elsewhere, Cristiano Ronaldo scored to help Al Nasser advance to the quarterfinals of the Asian Champions League. The Riyadh-based side beat fellow Saudi Pro League outfit Al Fayyad 2-0 to complete a 3-0 aggregate victory. Thank you very much. That was Brandon Yates with Sports. Coming up in Culture and Entertainment, a musical with an international cast on stage in Shanghai. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Maasai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. Around 53 past the hour. And turning to culture and entertainment now, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. The immersive musical Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 is ongoing in Shanghai. The shows have brought together a stellar international cast to the Bokum New Band 31 Performing Arts Center. Most of them have been recruited from New York and Shanghai. The multiple award-winning musical by Dave Malloy will have 50 shows in Shanghai ending on March the 3rd. Theatre production in Shanghai is looking to continue to integrate both local and international talents. Chinese designers have been stealing the spotlight at London Fashion Week, Shivam McCall reports. Chinese designer Susan Fang is inspired by nature. Her designs, often made from chul and lace, represent gentle beauty. 
For this collection, she drew inspiration from the air and the sea, and what home means to different species. Uh, we feel, especially in this period now, um, we hope to bring a sense of a possibility of peace and harmony to the world and then to understand uh, the concept of home and I've migrated a lot <laughs> since I grew up and I noticed that where love is is where you feel home. Fang was born in Ningbo, China but also spent a lot of her childhood in North America. She now splits her time between London and Shanghai. Her set was brought in from China and she says her heritage plays a big part in her work. China is very adaptable to change. So my parents were always very open for me to travel wherever my passion or creativity is. So I think that's, that's also like the beauty of China now. It's so fast, there's so much the best technology, the best manufacturing and also the openness to different culture. Her designs have caught the attention of influencers and music stars. And next up is a collaboration with American lingerie giant Victoria's Secret. That will hit stores in China in April. And while the fashion weeks in Milan, in Paris and New York are said to favour luxury powerhouses, London is globally renowned for championing new and emerging talent. The British Fashion Council has an initiative aimed at new talent called New Gen, and its CEO described London Fashion Week as a hotbed for young and international designers, and particularly Chinese ones. One recipient of the New Gen initiative is Yuhan Wang. Um, it's quite challenging as an emerging designer to present the collection at uh, the fashion way. I never, I never think about it before when I was studying at Central Samaritans. It's like a, it's like a dream. Because um, um, in the beginning, you know, if you build a collection, loads of work and you need a big team. Her designs focus on feminine power. This season's collection has a legal theme, paying homage to the likes of Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to serve as a US Supreme Court Justice. Wang says she wants to empower women through fashion. I feel that this women so brave, their, their, um, their courage and their empathy um, in their heart actually um, inspired generation by generation. There was Siobhan McCall reporting. A centuries-old dance known as Ying Ge became a sensation during the Chinese New Year as videos garnered millions of views online. The traditional festival activity merging opera, dance and martial arts dates back to the Ming Dynasty and has been popular in southern China. Contemporary Ying Ge dancing originated from classic Chinese novel Water Marching, with performers playing the heroes of the story. This year, a group of women Ying Ge performers in Shantou went viral. Ying Ge dancers also took the show to the street in London last week to celebrate the Spring Festival, attracting hundreds of thousands of viewers. And finally, the New York Philharmonic celebrated the Chinese New Year with a vibrant concert this week. The orchestra illuminated Lincoln Center's David Gaffin Hall to mark the Year of the Chinese Dragon in glorious fashion. This was the 12th consecutive year they have celebrated. The ongoing tradition was introduced in 2012 by Chinese conductor Yu Long. The centerpiece of the evening was the world premiere of Lunar Overture by acclaimed film composer Elliot Leung. Additionally, excerpts from Jotian's Transcend further enriched the program. Classical violinist Clara Jumi Khan also graced the stage for the first time as the soloist. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with Culture and Entertainment. We're at 58 past the hour, Beijing down to minus 5 on Thursday evening. Friday will get sunny skies and a high of plus 3. Nanchung's down to plus 1 this evening. 
uh, then a slight rainfall and 4 degrees. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to 4 degrees this evening. Friday's cloudy and 20. Vientiane's at 24 overnight. Uh, tomorrow will be overcast and 36 degrees. Phnom Penh's at 24 this evening. Tomorrow is overcast and 34 degrees Celsius. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, Chinese weather authorities have issued the highest alert level for a cold wave that's sweeping much of the country. And China and the Republic of the Congo are marking 60 years of bilateral relations. On behalf of the staff, Shane Begum in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 